You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. And that during the week, we'll keep feeding our appetite for Christ. Will we do that? So Father God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the church. I thank you for this church that they will grow that will become a beacon of light for Cork City and more, but for your glory. For this morning, Lord, like you said in your book, Ephesians, that you open the eyes of a heart of everyone this morning. May the Holy Spirit minister inside us, and I will receive your word, and let us see where is our heart with you again. I ask that in the name of Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, so I'm going to read from the book of Revelation, the second chapter from verse 1 to verse uh, 7. No, the other way. Sorry. I don't know what I did. Okay. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Okay. And I teach computers. <laughs> no comment there. Um, I know I'm doing something wrong there. Sorry. Do I have to do the, the pause? Is it like and? Uh... Okay. Let me tell you about my holidays. Well. <laughs> It's obviously me, okay? Yeah, do, 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 do. <clears throat> this is embarrassing. <laughs> I press the two buttons, okay? No, no, all right, okay, so sorry, Lord. All right, let's read the word of God from Ephesian, uh, Revelation. And so he's talking to the church of Ephesus. I will be sharing about that in a second. So may those words echo inside us. To the church in Ephesus, to the angel of the church in Ephesus writes, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. And yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. And if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear how, what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So this letter was written to this church. 
to the church of Ephesus. So first, what I'd like to bring you about this church. This church is real. This church had a real place, it's still in a real place, with real people. So when that was written, I want you to try to imagine it's actually like us. So that's what church is in Western Turkey nowadays, like the map shows there. And we have seven churches from chapter 2 to chapter 3. God, through the hand of John, speaks to seven churches. They all have more or less the same pattern. For each, there's a different promise, each different issues, but they all have they are real places. So this is where it's happening. It's on the western uh, of uh, Turkey, modern-day Turkey. The place where it's happening today is called Kusadasi or Kushadasi. I don't know what's the right pronunciation. I had uh, the privilege to go with work there two years ago. And it has changed, I'd say, for what it used to be, thank God. And uh, Patmos there, where you see the map, that's where John was put in prison. And that's where he wrote the letter. But what I want to stress, this is a real church with real people. And one thing that I found about this church, when I see all the things they have done, they reminded me of this church here. We have a lot of people who try to be serious with God, who try to put Christ first. A lot of people who try to see how we can apply the Word of God in our life nowadays. We have all that. And let's see what Christ says about that. So the, the town, Ephesus, is a little bit like Cork, actually. It's close to a harbor. Uh, there was a river going through, so it went a lot of businesses. It was rich. There was a, it's like a melting pot, different cultures. It was working, but naturally, the church had to stand up against one of the big uh, uh, other religions that is a town. And uh, there's different name in Greek. I think it was uh, Diana. Sorry, in, in Greek was Artemis, and uh, in, Itali uh, in, um, in Roman, it was Diana. Basically, it was uh, a god where essentiality was the top. And so they have obviously orgies, uh, prostitutes, and um, uh, eunuchs, eunuchs as well. Do you know, I don't pronounce that word properly, sorry about that, okay? But the, all that, they had to, to stand up. So when God come and speak through John to that church, that's what he's referring. This is the situation where they are, a little bit like Cork nowadays. And this church, in fairness, the more I pray, the more I look, I'm not saying everyone, obviously, very similar to us. In the way that we want to keep the word of God alive. And the pattern that you found in every of those seven churches, it starts like this. It starts with a praise, then you go to a criticism, then he gives a solution, which is repentance. Michael preached on it, and I will remind you of something that he said on that day. And then he comes with a promise. That's not me saying it. It's not even John. It's Christ himself. And then when he starts, when he starts to study the word, when he starts to go deeper, he says in everything, he says to them, like, you know, to the angel of every church. When you start to, to do research and all the, the mighty scholars, they all seem to agree on that. Uh, this is coming from the word angelus. Angelus means either leader, bishop, pastor. So he's talking about the leader of that church. So if it was nowadays, he will be talking to our two bishops, Bishop Baldy and Bishop Foxy, do you know? And that will be obviously Tom and Michael about the way the church is going. Okay, so that's the first thing, and it's coming from the word angelus. So he's talking to the leader of that church. 
And this is what he's saying to them. This are the word. I know your deeds. I know your hard work and your perseverance. So the deeds is all the work, the labor. Do you know what I mean? That you have been touched by Jesus. You start to see the word of Jesus, that they become real. You start to understand that he came here on earth, that he lived among us. He went on the cross and he died for us. He bought us. He ransomed us back so we can have eternal life in heaven. So you start to understand all that. So you start to want to do things because you start to love him. You start to love his words. So everybody's different. There's worship, there's serving. You try to bring the word to your neighbors. You try to bring it at work. Among Christians, you do all those works like here, the people in this church. Different season, different time, but we all try to do that. The labor. So many people come here early in the morning. I think like they try to serve. They have the worship ready. They have the coffee ready. The building ready. It has to be clean. It has to be repaired. There's so many things. And we all want to do that. Why? Because we love God. Even though he loved us first, but we want to do that gladly. Whatever God wants us to do, we'll do it. Once he's coming from Christ and glorify Christ alone. And not only that, we see people who've done it before us, so we want to learn from them. We submit to their authority, to their wisdom, and we want to grow. And that church was exactly this. What was amazing about this church, twice there is a letter written to them in the Bible. It's not something small. So there, prior to that letter, you jump back 40 years before. And that's where John was write, writing the letter of Ephesians. He was writing to that church. That church has super beginning. Paul, Titus, Priscilla, and uh, Aquila, sorry, and Aquila, they were the founder of that church. Those are the heavyweight champion of the Christian walk. So they started with strong beginning. The Holy Spirit was alive. Christ was at the pinnacle, the centerpiece of that church. Used mighty, mighty people. Great beginning. And somehow, over 40 years, second generation, third generation, something made them go to different paths, to different direction. And let's be honest, that can happen to every one of us. And that's why it's important, humbly, to go and seek God, to see, have I took the wrong way? I love the, the parable in Luke 16, where Jesus talked about this rich man going to have a banquet. So he called all his friends to come, and they're all too busy. With good things. One is selling a land and he has to go and attend to that. The other one, his daughter is getting married. The other one, he has family who came over. They're all perfect, good reason not to go to a party. And yet God said, like, don't be busy with the things of the world. Be busy with me. And that's why we have to go. And that's what he's telling them there. And then so that's all the hard work. And then perseverance, patience. How many times you just mention you're a Christian, you mention the word God, and people are like, here we go again, Brownie is doing it again. Well, maybe not you, like, but you know what I mean, like, you know. But here we go, I can see it. With me, they're afraid at work because they don't know what I am. I told them many times I'm a Christian, but just in case he's still Muslim, you know, <laughs> we'll say nothing, it's his culture, you know. But here we go, they were impatient with the world. They were patient with new believers. They were patient with all the believers where maybe they offended someone. 
They put all that in practice like Christ wants us to do. And then you can see how mature they were. You, he said, I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. And you have tested those. This is my fear. That wolves, false prophets, false apostles come in that church and try to divide us. My fear that I don't have the wisdom to see it. It's not for me to do it. God will show me. And so they had the maturity to be able to see it, the authority to do it. And to do that, you need to know the word of God. The more time you read his word, the more you will understand him, the more you will see his personality. Do you know what I mean? I see, for example, a good example, myself and my wife, every day we have tea and coffee. I know there's an ongoing war between tea drinker and coffee drinker, but in our house, we found the peace about it, you know? So, but here we go. But it's been now 20 years, nearly married to my wife, so I know the way she drinks her tea. I know she doesn't have sugar, a bit of milk, but there's a particularity about my wife. She has a special <laughs> cup for her tea in the morning. She has another special cup at 12 o'clock. And there's another special cup in the evening. Now I know, I love you. <laughs> I forgot she's on the camera downstairs, yeah, so scrap that, scrap that. So, but you know what I mean? Now I don't even think about it. And she's the same for my coffee. Because we spend time together, it's natural. And it's the same, it should be with God. The more you read, the more you see his personality. The more you go down and you seek and you will know. And that's the only way that will prevent us to go with busyness of life. And they're all good reasons. But if Christ is not in the center of it, and if he's not glorified, it's nowhere. It's wind. And those are the type of Christian who was in that church. And then you have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. It's all good to say I'm a Christian here. It's easy. We have the freedom to come. We have mature people who have set up the church before us and help us to grow and leading us. It's all good. When I went to Tunisia last year, it was a different story. Now, I said to God, send me anyone and I will talk about Christ. My hand is in your hand. My grandmother passed away while I was there, so we had to go to a place when they buried her. Talking about I fell on my own, there was about like 100 Muslims praying and me. Now, I didn't pray naturally. I was on my own seeking the real God and asking that he reached through their soul. But it's a different story. And if I didn't have a knowledge of a God who loves me that day, I don't know what I'll do. And that's why it's important to go back and reach and read the word of God. To cultivate his love in our life. And that's what they've done. When they went against those temples, wherever the gods Artemis, Diana, and I'm sure there was all other different things like nowadays. You mentioned something, the God of science comes with something else. The God of internet tells you something else. Atheists tell you something else. And we have so, so many things. And they all sound very good and clever. And internet gave uh, a platform to those people to share it even faster. So we have to stand up and protect. I pray for my kids. They ask me, do you know what, you're not Will you be proud if I become this and that? Yes, I'll be proud. But the big one is that you will know Jesus the rest of your life. Amen. And that I'll meet you in heaven. Amen. And we'll have a banquet there with the living God. That is what I want for them. 
That is my prayer. So let's carry on. Let's encourage each other today to do it. But on our own, you'll do it maybe for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, and then you will collapse. We all have sins in our life, and God, praise God for that. He showed me some of them, so I had to go. I tried so many things before to remove them, and it didn't work. And God, in his right timing, when I humbled myself, in his own wisdom, he just removed and he's removed. I still have many of them, but one by one. And it's amazing. You feel like, why didn't that happen before? But in his wisdom, he knows better. And those are the Christian. They persevered. They endured. Even though when they mocked, they kept at it, no matter what the reasons. And I'd say it was even harder back then. And I love it because they cultivated their faith. They grew with their faith. And I think Timothy Keller uh, put that very well. They understood that. They said, faith is not primarily a function of how you feel. Faith is living out and believing what truth is despite what you feel. And it's true because if I was going to go with my feelings, oof, I would have given up a long time ago. Then it becomes a gospel of prosperity. You pray just to get money. I love the Macedonian church, Macedonian church. They were not rich. It's written in the Bible. Not rich. But they were so cheerful, so giving with their time, with caring for brothers and sisters. When somebody was in the hospital, they went to see them. They, I believe they prayed as if they were praying for themselves. That's what they did. They didn't go and pray for money. Like this church, I understand not everybody at that stage. I understand that. And I would invite you to ask for Christ to come in your life or to ask again to go back at the feet of Jesus. We all have to do that in every area of our life. Nobody's immune to that. And I love that. So this church at that stage, is if somebody showed me, like when I was searching for church and they showed me that on a piece of paper, this is the church I want to go. This is where my wife I want to go with and my kids to grow in. Perfect. It hits everything. And yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Whoa, I didn't see that coming. The first time I remember reading that, I'm like, okay, is there even hope in doing all this? And with all that work, and yet you can go a different way? What just happened there? And that's why I'm insisting at the point, the more time you spend with God, the more you start to learn his personality. The more you learn his personality, the better you understand his words. In my early days, even though I loved the love of Christ, I, it was a, a time where I felt like Paul was just writing to me. I know he wasn't. He wrote for the entire humanity, inspired by the Holy Spirit, but had this picture like he was sitting on a tree and writing to me. <gasps> it was beautiful. I love the verses where I would go on my own in the evening and I was myself. There was no pretending, no dressing a certain way, talk a certain way, be a certain person. It was me and God. I can be honest about my sins. I can be honest about my personality. I can be honest about his words. When I used to go to uni uh, in, in England, uh, in Liverpool, I would choose a certain type of boss because there were churches on the way. They had big verses written outside every week. He gave me warmth into my heart. 
I would go to university. I know I said that before. I would walk and I saw a tree moving. I'm like, he did that? He did that? I looked at the sky and I winked at God. I was free in the gospel of Christ. It was all there. I couldn't, there's a lot of things I didn't understand. And still a lot of things I don't understand. But I'm getting closer. And closer to him one day. And amen to that. So I'm like, how? If those people, how will I do this? And they've lost the first love. So here comes the question. What is your first love? What is your first love? The only advantage of being saved later on in life is that you can put a date. A day where that happens. I remember for me it was Easter 99 in Liverpool. I went down to my knee and I gave my life to Christ no matter what. So I am blessed. I can celebrate every year. I have a, a birthday. I can think of what I've done in a year or two. There's times you can do like that. And I understand it's not like that for everybody. There's a second generation. They grew in a house where Bible was preached from very young. And praise you for that. I understand it becomes a bit for granted, but God is bigger than that. So what is the first love? What is love? I remember when I was still a Muslim, I was sitting with four or five Muslim people, and they said that. They said, you know, Christian really understood that well. I said, what do you mean by that? They know how to talk about love. I'm like, it's not like they know how to talk about love. Christ is love. Christ demonstrated that love even before we were born. That's why we can talk about love. Do you understand? They don't see it. Other religions don't see it. The Bible was written for us, so we can see what he has done. But so, if I was going to give you a definition of love today, basically what I will do, I'll open from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-23. Basically, that's what it is. Because in the early days, I still brought some of my general background with me. So the Old Testament like, was, okay, that's the God of the Koran. He's a little bit harsh there. You know? I'll, uh, I'll focus on Jesus with the gospel. Say, I like that. I like that. And then I have to go and seek. And I, I prayed, and I think I can share that. Um, I went and I fasted to seek God. And I sat there. And then he started to show me his love from uh, Abel and Cain in the story of that. I couldn't believe it. I could see the love of God for his people. And suddenly, I start to see it when he allows me, and I humble myself through the Bible. So his, God, uh, his love is everywhere. And if you do not go back to the source, because when he left, he left us with two things, the Bible and the Holy Spirit. So those are the ones who have stayed over the years. So you go to that, and you read. So what is the love for every one of you? And my question is, even if you first love... Slightly gone? Diminished at time? You're asking, where's the point of all that? The truth is, we all go through seasons like that. Sometimes allowed by God, and sometimes the fruit of our own actions. So let me... Sorry. Okay, I went too far. So, what is love? First, is it a decision or a choice? And sometimes it is. Someday you decide to get up and pray to God. You decide, you choose to go and spend time with God. An example for my wife, for example. Someday she had to decide to love me. 
And some other day, she chose not to kill me. <laughs> and it goes both ways. Do you know what I mean? I love, so when you do research, there's other more mature Christians than me, more, you hear lots of time, Michael talking about C.S. Lewis, so naturally you go and check this guy, and he talks about the four type of categories about love. There is eros, pilos, torch, and agape. Eros is about that physical love, the passion between two people, and obviously Hollywood went one step too far with it. Uh, pilos, that love that you have, uh, that you cannot let go, an, an old jumper that you still love, and you're still holding on to it. Do you know what I mean? That love that you can't let go. Then storage, uh, something that has been from the past that you're keeping. And then agape. That's the divine love of somebody came and died for you. So we see that's the first love. I love another one I came across and I thought that really spoke to me. Uh, Anthony Edwards, uh, he was uh, a minister in the States in the 1700s and he has influenced many, many Christians to bring them to life. And he said he comes to two categories, complacency or benevolence. Complacency is a type of love where you love something for what they give you back. So for example, I love coffee, so because of the taste of coffee. So that's the relationship I have this with that product. And that's all it can give me, a good time, a good taste when I drink it. I love pizza with pepperoni, so the food, you know, and it can be movie, it can be sports, whatever you want. So that is one type of love. So you're spending time to give something back in return. Then you have benevolence. Benevolence is the type of love that somebody has sacrificed, has given you regardless of what they're getting back. And I think Ireland is a great place for that. That's why we have so many good charity groups. That's why we take sports like GAA with uh, so many people helping and making that happening without really getting payback, just for the love of what it's going to give back, even on the hard day. And God will use that for his church. Those are good quality. So where in... In the Bible, there's many, many stories, many verses that speak to me that show me the love of Christ. John 3.16 is everywhere. It drives me insane at times, I have to admit, because it's just put there and we just don't see it anymore for what it is. But it is the love of God. Book of Romans. If you want to go and study that, please do that. And this is what's written in Romans 5. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the definition of love. We're not there to look for anything. Even before we knew us, God died for us. There are four things there that I think it's underlined. Um, and I wrote it somewhere on my notes. Bear with me, bear with me, bear with me. And... Sorry. I deserve a smack, seriously. Like, so, uh... All right, I'll, I'll find it again. But see, here we go. The verse, verse, do you know? You see, just the right time, when we're still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. This is, shows the intensity, the degree of the level that he put at us, even though we did not deserve it. 
I have no problem helping people who deserve it. I'm a teacher in college. The student who works hard, I love to help them. The one who don't come and don't give the assignment and project after a while, well, should I still help you there? It's natural to help people who want to help themselves, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. But thank God though, it didn't. That is the definition of the first love. Even though they didn't deserve it, he came for the ungodly one. And he meant to that because I would have never been my name written on the book of the Lamb. Never. Ever. How about you? Do you think you deserve to be on it? Then, very rarely will anyone die for righteous person, though maybe for good person, might possibly dare to die. Uh, I don't think I would do it ever. <laughs> I'm not that type of person. So... If people are going to die, well, I hope they know the Lord, you know. That's my uh, attitude towards it. I will see, we'll see. But, you know, yes, I will do it for my kids. I'll do it for my wife. But will I do it for a person I, I don't care? They're always the example who come back, always. Would you do it for Adolf Hitler? <laughs> oh, no, I wouldn't do it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, of course not, you know. And yet God did. So at what price? He did it. At what price? regardless of who we are. And then, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. We don't have to do anything. It's not based on what we're doing. And that's how the first love is defined. My first love should be mimicking what Christ has done. Nothing else, nothing more, nothing else. In the way I approach the throne of God, the way I approach his word, the way I approach the church and whatever I want to do for the church should be based on that. Because if you start to do it for men and women, then you're getting your own glory for it. Tom says quite a lot, the fear of man is a, a snare. Exactly. And we all end up doing this. If you want to do that, go into sports. And then the church will become like a hobby. If Christ is not centerpiece in our life, it becomes like a hobby. Where we get something back is great, and if he doesn't, we'll move on. So today, brothers and sisters, my very simple and first question, where is your first love in contrast to what we read there? Where is your first love? And that's what God is saying to them. Did I press? Sorry. Okay. Consider how far you have fallen. And there it gives us the solution. Repent. Repent and do the things he did at first. Because if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. So Michael talked about repentance before, and he's done a very, very good illustration. And I'm going to try to redo it again now. I'm 45, so I had to practice all week, you know. My back doesn't move the same way and all that. And hopefully Michael will do a good job. Tell me if that's correct. So you're walking one way, and then you have to repent. You turn, and you go the other way. Am I right? Thank you. I practiced all week to do that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, now my back, okay? But here we go. That's what you have to do. It's not easy to turn and make a U-turn on your own. Try to change something in your life, a sin to be removed that you don't like, 
and try to do it on your own. How long will it last? Week, two weeks, a month, six months? I don't know. If Christ is not the underlying force under it, if the word of God is not the fuel going through your blood inside, it won't last. And that's why when I say about choices, it's a choice, a decision. I agree, but there is more to it. If you go to Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is, and I don't know why I still have to count them, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. You see, those are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit will come and live inside you, then your first love will be there. Then you will start to see God's love in His Word. But on your own, you won't be able to do it. We need to submit to his, and we need to repent. So first thing is to see why it is wrong, and turn. It is see in contrast of his word. It is not glorifying Jesus Christ, so we don't do it. Now, it's easy to say, you know human nature. We tell you don't do it, and the first thing you want to do is to do it. I say with my kids, I see that with myself. But you have to turn. If you can do it on your own, Surround yourself with Christian people who will help you come to church and during the week, in the last few weeks, every time Tom, when he preaches, he said, go and read that chapter. How many of us did it at home? I, I'm, I'm not judging or whatever, but I went because I really felt there was something prophetic in my life and it spoke so much to me, so much other things I've, I've never seen before. I'm like, wow, and what that done, it has shown me the true character, the deeper personality of God, and therefore, his true love. And we bring me back to his first love. We all have to do it. So we need to repent whatever it is you know. Because there's one thing I'm sure of, 20 years Christian, when Christ is not in your heart, you know it. You might not be able to express it with certain words. You might not even find something in your, the Word of God. But deep inside, you know it. And that's why you need to repent. And that's what is coming from Christ himself to this church. And for everyone here, that's what we need to do. But don't do it on your own. And don't do it by yourself. Let the fruit of the Holy Spirit come inside you. And I'm going to ask the worship team to, to, to come here. Um, I'm going to conclude, and then I will give it over to Fiona downstairs. And this is what I love about God. He tells you what is the issue. He tells you what can be the consequence. And then he gives us an invitation or promise. And he says... Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. This is not me saying it. I can give you all the three steps to do this and to do that. Uh, we can meet each other and read the Bible and all that. Fantastic. But my word is like wind. It will bring you nowhere. But him, and that's what he says, whoever hears, let what the Spirit says to the church. Today, come back to the first love of Christ and fine-tuned our ears. Let's remove all the clunk that was there who prevented us 
to come back. Like the church in Ephesus. It didn't happen overnight. It just came gradually, gradually, gradually over 40 years. And there where it was. To some of you, you still have that fire of the early days. Praise God for that. And I want to surround myself with people like that. To the rest of us, I know there's areas in my life where God needs to be first. They might not be big now, but in 40 years down, if I'm still around, where would that lead me? So my question is, where is your first love? Will you please stand up for a second? I'm not whole, uh, giving it back uh, yet. Yeah, just wait a second, Fiona. So it's all well and good to say, where is your first love? Uh, if that was easy, we'll do it every Sunday, isn't it? So I'm going to pray for two or three things. The first one, have you lost your first love? Is your first fire of the day, when you go and read the Bible, do you still have this appetite of the early days? Is it still there? Do you have the appetite to go and worship God like in the early days, when the fire was strong? That's for the first people. You know the answer, and we're going to pray together for that. For the second one, you might not even know when that day happened. You say, I don't really know what day I became a Christian. I grew up in a Christian home, or I prefer that life. I like the community at church, but the rest I'm not sure. I invite you today to come and seek him. Because if he comes back tonight, you want to be ready. And for the third one, who have feels like, I've done that many times, discouraged, tired. I invite you today, I generally believe that over the course of the last three months, through the message, through Michael, Tom, uh, Barry, and myself, God is speaking about something and is gathering people back to his word, to what he has done first. And those are my three requests. So Cafe Church, I'll hand over to Fiona. May God bless you with his word today and that the appetite for him will grow. We're going to worship and then we're going to pray. But seek God while we're worshiping him.
It's not about me today, but your word. May your word resonate inside. And I'm asking for people, if it's your first time here, please just observe. And if you feel like take part, take part. But if you don't, don't feel ob uh, obliged. How, I'm asking, how many people feel that the first love in some area is gone? Will you raise your hand? Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. In some area, can I invite you to come and I'll pray with you. Please come forward and we'll pray together. For the other group, they know that your love is gone for God. It's not fully gone, but it's not there 100%. But you don't know what happened and when it happened. Do you feel in that category? Just put your hands up. Just put that you know it's gone, but you don't know when yet. Okay? Okay. Again, come forward and we're going to pray together. And I just want to pray with those two groups first and then the last one. Father God, for the people who come forward, for the people who have questions about the first love, this morning, Lord, I just ask you that through the book of Romans, through the book of Galatians, through the book of Proverbs, that word will come back alive that your hand will touch them today lord jesus i just speak to us this morning and they will see that your word is happening uh, together brother i can see that god is saying you have been walking a long time and i've seen that in romans 8 and he says there is no condemnation to those who are in christ jesus Go and meditate on my word. I've seen you call. I know you even before you were born. Do not stop. Carry on. That joy is coming from me. And I will do mighty things with you. Test my word that they're from Christ. To my sister there's behind, I don't know you. I, I never even spoken to you. God says, I've seen you. I have this picture of you on your knee, praying and broken and frail. God will restore you. It has nothing to do with you. God will walk. Go and read the book of James and learn about perseverance in his words. Test my words. So Father God, I just put everything into your hand. May that you speak to my brother there at the back here with the... Uh, so I don't know you, but there's a blessing of God in your life. He has called you a long time ago. You are equipped. Proclaim with joy the word of God in your surroundings. There is a blessing of life. You will have a new armor of God. And not on your own, but with him. And you will have truth coming out of your word. And people say, he's talking about something that there's something more to it. And that's how people will say, not with big words, but he has something that I don't have. Don't be afraid, but read the word of God and that will happen. Test my words, test my words. To my brother, every time I seem to come back to you, come back to the word of God. Come back to him, come back to him. Discover what it means first love. You want to believe and you don't. You're in between. And God is saying, come back to my word. I'm going to show you things that you didn't even know existed. But come back. Test my words. I'm, I'm nothing.
And for the last group who might not know Jesus at all, who never called him. And maybe today is the day. Maybe today is the day that you say, I believe and prophesy that Christ died on the cross. And I believe that Jesus is Son of God and that he came here and he died on the cross for my sins. This is personal, but I'm going to pray collectively for those people to give you the time to do that. So Father God, let them go to the book of Romans in 10.8 and 10.9 where we proclaim that Jesus is Son of God and that he died on the cross for our sins and that today they will take the first step towards you. So let's worship together and may the word of God resonate inside us through the week. Amen.